It is episode 243 of Kane's Cast, and I'm sitting across from Shane Willis, and I'm just wondering, where did the trade deadline and basically all of this season go? It's been quick, Mike, but I mean, the weather's starting to turn. Open your windows and take a breath of pollen. You mean a sneeze and a coughing a fit that follows it? But you really got to crack the windows. I mean, it's beautiful out. It is until... Until this morning when it dropped the yellow, down The yellow dust comes in. And you're like, it's well, fine. This isn't right. You get used to it. Do you? Well, as a Canadian, I don't really have allergies. <sighs> I didn't until I moved <laughs> to a place where things grow in the wintertime. Strange. So my body was not used to, oh, things can grow between the months of November and April? <laughs> Had no idea. Uh, he is Shane Willis. I'm Mike Maniscalco. This is Kane's Cast presented by Storm Brew, the outstanding beverage that is made by R&D Brewing. You can pick it up at your favorite grocery store. You can enjoy it uh, while the Carolina Hurricanes are winning hockey games, which is what they've done since the trade deadline. You got to enjoy a few extra last night. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> if... Uh, if you get the chance, well, by the time I got home, it was like 3 in the morning, so no. I, yeah, not you. Not me. Uh, but you get to uh, enjoy it in overtime when it gets to those points. And remember, you can go visit their tap house on Capitol Boulevard, the 7 Saturdays tap house. It is outstanding, so make sure you uh, go there, and it's a good place to watch the games as well. So, Shane, the trade deadline came and went, and folks, look, Shane and I would love to do a podcast every week at the exact same time, so you know this, but travel schedules, the we hockey. Do. Well, we try. <laughs> we try. The, the, the hockey schedule kind of gets in the way uh, for most of those things. But the trade deadline has come and gone, and I, I just want to get this thing out of the way. Lots of teams made big splashes, and people are like, why doesn't my team do this? And Don Waddell said after the trade deadline, you pay attention to what teams are doing, but you don't react to them. You don't make a trade just because, oh, this team added this player. If you like your group or if you know what you need to add, you then don't sit there and say, well, we need to go bring this player in because you know that, that team got that player. And I do like, in the proof's in the pudding, what the Canes did with bringing in Shane Gostas-Bear. We'll find out what Yes Say Pugliarve is going to look like. Wow. Yeah. That was nice right there. I'm working on it. Yeah, I'm you working just on it. in the mirror every morning? Yeah, just writing it down a lot. I hope he snipes a hat trick his first game, so you're just <laughs> ripping it all with the airways. That would be outstanding. I would be all all about They're that. I'll butcher it in the post-game show. Oh, you'll be fine <laughs> with it. Just call him Yes Say, and you'll be good. JP snipes again. That, there, there you go. <laughs> JP will work. Uh, but there's, there's always been a curious thing to me about and Shane, you've been in these locker rooms, and when trades happen or a, a, a big name walks in, yes, for the fan bases, for the players in the locker room, if you're like, oh, my goodness, we just added this guy to our roster, that's great. But you always hear, we, we owed it to the room. But if the room is good and you're winning and you're one of the top teams in the league, you know, chemistry is a big part of, especially this sport. I'd, I'd say hockey, chemistry is more important than any other. Football, you can bring in pieces. Baseball, you can bring in pieces. Come and go. Basketball, maybe you need a little bit more. You know, does this guy fit with what you want to do? But hockey, the room matters. And, and how guys are viewed and what their role is and what they need to do. So to go in, and I, I'm not picking on Toronto right now, but I, Toronto basically changed a quarter of their roster. And you only have 22 two games to figure it out before the playoffs roll around. So if you look at what the Hurricanes are, and the head coach loves this team, and they're clipping along the way that they are. They're going to have well over 100 points the way the season's going. Why don't you just add a few things? You don't need to make the big splash, do you? Well, time will tell. 
Um, oh, if, very good, very good philosophy. That's what answer I have there, my there, friend. You know, we'll I like see. To take my time. Um, it's it's so hard. But I think the big thing is there were plenty of things that were out there that just didn't happen. Prices were high, and I can tell you from some of the sources that I talked to, the Canes were involved in a couple other things that were, you know, in in the media world or maybe the fans that were bigger than what you added. But they didn't work out. Um, when you look at prices and value, it's, you know, it's no different than you going to the store and you watching a guy buy something for $650. It's worth, you know, 200 Are you going to spend that 650 Because he did. And the Canes always have had a plan. Don Waddell has had a plan. Tom Dundon's had a plan. And would you have liked to have seen one of the big, if you will, big pieces, say a Timo Meyer land here? Sure. Always want to add a guy who can put in 30. But you still have to believe that the Canes know inside that locker room of what they have. They continue to win after the deadline, which some teams are not, a.k.a. the Toronto Maple Leafs and New York, the Rangers. New York Rangers. The Devils seem to be moving along quite well. They only added one piece, right? Big piece. But yeah, Big piece. They got piece. Timo Meyer, yeah. right? So are you saying that's the piece that put Jersey over the top? The one piece? No. Well, we'll see, though. So. We'll see Sunday. When they, you know, what we think will be a game for first place. Are you coming with us for that game? I'm coming on the road. All right, we'll yeah, see you there. I'm pack a suit, but I just think it's it's too early to tell. We always, as if you know, whether you're a broadcaster or a fan or you know myself, both. You're like, oh, let's get this guy. This is going to put us over the top. But we can look back. It, it's almost like the quality moves over the past. I go yep. back to looking. Let's look at Colorado last year. There is no one that thought when they added Lekkonen from Montreal Montreal, that he was going to be that key piece. No one, I don't think, thought when they added Manson that he was going to be that big of a role. Like, I knew he was a big-time defensive player with grit and, you know, that tenacity. But it's it's quality. You always look at quality and and what you get out of it. And so far, what we've seen, again, we've only seen Goss's buyer that the Canes made good moves. And as it moves along, we'll see if they made enough. But I also love what Jordan Stahl talked about when he talked about not only this room and what this group feels about each other and how tight they are, but he also talked about the system they play. Is one month enough time for a guy to learn the system and be able to do it? And that's a key part. You and I talked to Rod Brennamore about it. A few weeks ago, and we said to him, why are those moves so tough? He goes, our system's hard. We want, number one, quality character guys that he signs off on, and two guys that can play our system and play the speed we play at. Period. Yeah. And if, you know, I look at a guy like, can Patrick Kane play the Kane style? I don't know. I, me either. Well, I mean, we're not. I almost said I don't think so. We're not going to find out because you cannot drift in this system. You cannot say, I feel like playing defense. No. Now you have to come back on every shift. That's the thing that makes the Canes difficult to play against. And 
There, there's homework for everybody listening to Kane's cast right now. And by the way, Scott Burnside might do the, the homework for us because he'll be joining us in a little bit. But on the trade deadline day, like the, the last day you can make an acquisition that will be on your roster for the playoffs, when was the last time a Stanley Cup champion added a huge name at the deadline? A huge name. I'm not saying I make a deal. I question this week. Same thing. I was kind of racking the brain of like who was. I've, I've gone back about four I mean, or five years. Nobody, the last. The easiest one I go back to is 06, Mike. When Jim Rutherford added Doug Wade and Mark Recchi. But he, he remember he added Doug Wade early. Yeah. You know, he did that. And there's something too that, in, and Rod Brindamore brought this up, and I agree, the way that this league is set up now with the salary cap, with what you have to do, your team is what you put together in the summer. That's, you know, the Canes bringing in Max Pacioretty, bringing in Brent Burns. That was what this was all about, what this year is all about. It's the teams when you get to this point in time, and you're like, oh, we need to add a bigger name to get us over the top. Now, Jersey, I think, is in a different situation. I think they're ahead of schedule. They found a chance where they could add a, a young player that maybe they can keep with the group. And that's what, I again, that's what the Carolina Hurricanes were looking for. Which, by the way, what also bothers me were fan bases, and this is fan bases everywhere. I'm not admonishing one here. Your general manager is trying to make a deal. Like, that's just it. It's not like the front office for the Carolina Hurricanes didn't pick up the phone, didn't return text messages. I mean, they were calling. And you, just sometimes there's a different deal that's out there that a team wants to make. Or, that's that. or again, going back to when you think your deal is set, Yeah. right? Someone else comes in and adds two or three guys. Oh. You're like, what are you doing? Do you, like, you're, you can have it. If I was right? a general manager, do you know what I would do every time when I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is a great offer. I have a great offer. I'm going to call Shane Willis, Wheeler Dealer, that would general be a manager. Guy to yes. call. Exactly. I would be the perfect, you know, and sucker it, to call and be like, hey, Shane, want to add a couple more first round? Yes, I do. I'd be like, I'm, I'm sending this guy here because this is what I'm getting, unless. And that's what you do. And then the other team on the other end of the phone is going to say, okay, yeah, we'll add. Or they'll be like, all right, go make the deal. And that's what happens. And the other thing that the Canes don't do, they don't rent players. They just don't. <clears throat> At least not with the, we're going to rent a player and give up a ton of future assets. The, the Hurricanes added a power play specialist defenseman, who, by the way, the way he moves the puck and skates fits right into what the Canes do on the back end in Shane Goss despair. And it cost them a third-round pick in 2026 and then they add a six foot four fourth overall uh, draft pick. Now it's 2016, and yes, say Puliyarvi, and you're trying to figure out where he's going to fit in. But it, it cost you a prospect that you're not sure if he was going to come over and play. So the Canes added to their NHL roster that is already the second best roster in the league, and gave up nothing on that roster. That to me is a pretty darn good trade deadline. And yes, we can kind of. Look back and be hindsight's twenty twenty, when Shane Gostisbehere has four points in his first two games, and two power play goals in his first two games, something that hasn't been done in the organization in over thirty years. You can say it's pretty good. It's a solid start. Yeah, it's a good way you to go. Like the ads right now, but again, are there questions? 19, yeah, but there's questions everywhere. Yeah, plenty of plenty of questions all over the place. I mean, I laugh because I think, you know, Don Waddell was the only one not playing old school, and Will Ferrell in the locker room. <laughs> running around screaming, don't panic. I mean, there was fires in Toronto and New York. Yeah, saying, well, let's sell, sell. 
I mean, <laughs> all of a sudden it's trading places. It's Duke it really and Duke. Was. I mean, just throw everything out the window. Uh, it might, well, the, the one situation, and, and again, this is Kane's cast, but if you're a general manager and you're like, you've been charged with, you got to make the playoffs or your job's on the line. Well, what do I care if I'm trading away picks for the next four yes. years? Yes. I got to win in the playoffs. I don't, I don't care that we've got a first round pick in 2026. That's a valid point. So that's why, yeah. It, but I would have never have any picks, by the way. Ever. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> my and I would have, would and I would me. have all of your picks. That my would be scouting the best part. staff would hate me. Uh, the the funny thing is, though, you you wonder why it's a cycle, like why the East will dominate for years in a sport, and then the Western Conference will dominate, because when the East is up and everybody's trying to go for it, the East sends all their picks to the West. And then the West just drafts all these players. And then when the West is up and the East is down and the West is going for it, the West trades all of their picks back to the East. So that's kind of how that cycle yeah. works. Anyway, a little educational here. Ooh, you lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning if Shane Willis was a general manager in the Eastern Conference, he's always trading his picks to win. All but then them. Shane Willis becomes a general manager in the Western Conference, and he's then trading all of those picks Back and he traded east. away back to the east, so the yep. east will reap the benefit of those picks while Shane gets those players trying to win a title. Yeah. Got that? Got it. Okay. I'm with you. We're good. We're here. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. That's what we're all about. Uh, we got a, a, a chance to talk, maybe get a quick view at the Carolina Hurricanes with what they did, and then a look at the rest of the National Hockey League is Scott Burnside from Burnside on Hockey joins us here on Kane's cast. Scott, you know, everybody, I, I think when we get to the trade de- deadline, and Shane and I have just been talking about this, people want to make the splash, but when you look at, at what the Carolina Hurricanes did, now clearly the dividends with Shane Gostisbehere have paid off greatly in three games, but when you look at, at how the trade deadline played out, what was your thought immediately at 3.05 on March 3rd? Like, did you like what the Canes did, or did you think maybe there was maybe a little something left on the table? Yeah, I mean, I think the whole trade deadline period was, I mean, certainly full of, uh, of of drama, no no doubt about that. And I think with the salary cap latitude that the Hurricanes had with the Max Pacioretty salary going on LTIR, I, I think the expectations were really high. But I, I think there, you have to have some sort of perspective on this, and, and it's really hard. And I think it was especially hard this year because there are, A, what the top six or seven teams in the NHL right now are all in the Eastern Conference, and, and and those teams did make significant moves, and I think if you you know lined them up, certainly made more impactful moves than the Carolina Hurricanes did, right? Whether it was Toronto or certainly the New York Rangers, New Jersey Devils, um, I would even argue Tampa for the assets that they sent out to bring in Tanner Janot. You know, probably if you had to, again, rank them, then you put them ahead of the Carolina Hurricanes. But, but I really do think the perspective is, what exactly did you need? What needs were you trying to fulfill at the trade deadline? And what was the asking price for um, someone who fit that need? And did it make sense both in the short term and the long term? And I know, you know people will say, well, you know, Toronto Maple Leafs, chips are all in. Well, yeah, they haven't won a playoff round since 2004. Uh, their GM is uh, in the final year. You know, doesn't have a contract beyond this year. I, you know, the dynamics there are different. Um, I think you can, you know, in, in Tampa's case, been two cups in a row, another trip to a Stanley Cup final. When 
Julian Breezebois, the GM, basically steals a line from Cliff Fletcher and says, draft schmaff. That's because that team is at a different part of its evolution. And they are, they're in a different realm in terms of, how, you know, what their future is going to look like moving forward. And the Canes are, you know, I think you have to give Don Waddell and Tom Dundon with, you know, with his input from ownership and, of course, the coaching staff for having some perspective on what do we really need to make this team go forward. And, and weeks and weeks ago, the team had identified a left shot the defenseman, someone who could help with the power play. And uh, Mike, as you mentioned, Shane Goss for her. Now, I want to just divert. Are we saying it the right way? I had him on my podcast years ago, and I still butchered his name. Gostisbeer. 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 So it's easier Gostisbeer. than it looks. Yes, it's easier yeah, than it looks. Yeah. Don't try and make it. Yeah. But now, let's let's but, not get into Yesay Pugliarvi. Which I'm, yeah, yeah. there's no way I'm rolling those R's Someone once it gets going. Someone showed me that video on Google, and I said, I'm just going to go with JP. Well, it's, it's, yeah, it, it I did so. meet him in, I did meet him in Montreal as he met the team there. <laughs> and I go, uh, you know, yes, I'm like, yes, a Puglio Yarvi. And he looked and he goes, close. And I went, oh, all right, how did I, what did I, and he goes, yes, say. And I went, oh, all right, I got the last name. Three That's more syllables, goal. please. Here we go. Uh, by the way, if, if, if Rod Brindamore is listening and um, we know he, he does from time to time, uh, the line of Code Kanyemi, Puglio Yarvi, and Tara Vinen, I'm just going to go numbers just so everybody knows. 1382 86. Mm. Okay. Anyway, anyway, to, to, to me, that's the thing. What do you need? And I like the Puglio Yarvi addition. Um, I don't know exactly how Rod Brindamore is going to use him, but he's a big body. We know that he needed a, a, a fresh start from Edmonton. Um, and I think this is a good spot. I had this conversation with somebody else from a different team the other day. And we, we talked about how if, if there is one place in the NHL where a player like Paul who can come top end draft pick, high expectations, it didn't work out the way, you know, anyone I think maybe expected in Edmonton. Is there a place in the NHL where he can come and and be welcome and have a fraternity of players who will have his back and support him? And I think more importantly, really explain how things have to be done in Carolina uh, under Rod Brindamore. I, I just don't think there's a better fit in the NHL if things are going to turn, um, you know, on a on, on an upward arc. For uh, Jesse Puljujarvi, I just I think this is a great spot for him, and it'll be fascinating. I think to see how Rod Brindamore, you know, eases him into the lineup and and what his how he uses him, you know, down the stretch, and then especially once we get into the playoffs, because I think there is a place for him to play, depending on an opponent, um, and I think there, that this will pay dividends. I can agree with you more about him, Scott, because as you mentioned. He was selected fourth overall, and he was selected fourth overall for a reason to the Edmonton Oilers, and he's just never found his niche, if you will, similar to what Kokiemi had in, in Montreal. And now you look at this team, a place that he couldn't feel more comfortable coming in because everyone knows what he and Ajo did at the World Junior Championship along with Patrick Laine years ago. They've all played together in you know world championships and on national teams and things like that. So his comfort level has to be through the roof. And we know the style of game that this team plays that can can fit this guy. He has an elite level offensive ability, and it's a matter of can he do it inside this system. So I like the trade, and I think when you look at it, and I'm going to get your perspective on this in a minute, 
as Mike mentioned at 301 when the trade deadline ends, everyone jumps on social media, yeah. everyone jumps texting myself, even I fall into the trap of like, we didn't do anything. Look at what these teams did. But and there's always a but. I love the but sometimes because <laughs> you have to look at it and be like, who's looking better right now? Because we won't really know till the end. And whoever hoists the Stanley Cup, can you sit there and tell me that the Rangers in Toronto made better moves? Are they have they hoisted it yet? Well, one phrasing, just so you know, um, on the last sentence that you just said. Sorry. Uh, two. Um, if, if there are t- a lot of people yeah. laughing right now. Yeah. I didn't even catch that or stop myself, but now I realize. Yeah. Well, I even, you know, I was just letting her pass. Yeah, uh, you know, sometimes you just let it slide by. Some sometimes you got to play the traffic cop and write the ticket when it's out there. Uh, but the to to what you're you're going down the line, and I'm just adding on, Scott, to get your opinion on this. If you take a look at the moves that the last few Stanley Cup champions have made. They didn't go out and add huge names. I mean, we're talking like St. Louis adding Michael Delzato, and Tampa was getting laughed at for adding Barkley Goudreau and Blake Coleman and, you know, David Savard. Oh, those are the moves that are going to put you over the top? Well, yeah. You, you identify the needs that you have for your team, and, you know, Tampa is in the uh, – I was gonna. I thought you were going to go the Rams line with the what they're doing with those picks uh, as opposed to, you know, draft schmaft. But it's, it's at the same time, I, I'm very curious to get your take on that. But, I mean, I just think that this team, and again, it's so easy for, you know, fans and myself sometimes to sit in our armchair GM like, who cares about these picks? Let's sell the farm and do this and this and that. And at the end of the day, this team continues to win. This team continues to be at the top of the league with the best of the best. And they're going into a stretch now where you're about to find out, everybody. What's When the rubber hits the road, you find out. They showed Tampa what it's all about with a 6 nothing win. Montreal came out and played gritty. Canes come back and win in a shootout. It's still a win. It's two points. Now you come home to play a Flyers team that you know is going to play hard. You're going to face a Vegas team that's at the top in the West. Then you have to go to Jersey. First place is on the line, right? And then you play the Rangers. This is the stretch now where people can sit back because you can't ever, and Scott, you know this better than anybody, this was the highest spending most trades I've ever seen at this caliber. When you look at the names that moved at this caliber, and I think it's silly enough for people to try and make that judgment now until the cups rolled out on the ice. Yeah. You can't do yeah. it. No, uh, no, and I think that's the whole point of it, right? I mean, listen, like, there will be a reckoning. You know, to me, I can't wait for you know, the third week of, of April to roll around. I, you know, I think, again, last night was a good example of New Jersey uh, loses to Toronto <clears throat> and the Canes come from behind to win in a shootout. I think they're going to end up in first place in the Metropolitan Division. So you're, you've got New Jersey and the Rangers pretty much locked into a first-round battle. 14 days, maybe less, one of those teams is going to go home. Both those teams made huge ads. Well, obviously, the Rangers, multiple ads with uh, Tarasenko and Patrick Kane coming over, Timo Meyer coming at a, a, a terrific cost to the Devils. Um, you know, though you defend those moves all day long. Same in, in in the Atlantic Division, right? Toronto, what they had five players, maybe six, um, and Tampa uh, unloads all of their assets, basically all their picks for Tanner Janot. Same thing. Fourteen days or less, one of those teams is going to be done, and and I think that's that's where you have to have the perspective. Did 
what did this team specifically need to address? I think they've addressed it. I think the fact that there wasn't an urgency to add down the middle is a reflection of just how well Jesperi Kokniemi has played over the last two, two and a half months, that there is a real belief in this lineup. Got to stay healthy. The goaltending has got to be healthy. We know that. We saw Auntie Ronta leave. Sounds, you know, like it may just be a you know precautionary type thing. So let's assume good health. Then the, then the proof is in, you know, can you advance beyond the first round, obviously? Can you get to a conference final? Do you go to a Stanley Cup final for the first time since 06? Could you win a cup? But to me, that's when you, at the end of the day, and, you know, if, if you fall short, well, what happened? What was the reason for that happening? And does it come back to, you know, should should this team have made a different ad or, or look to bolster its, its lineup somewhere else? There will always be second-guessing uh, unless you're the last team standing. That's the, the nature of the beast. And the, and the Carolina Hurricanes are at a point now, and I think this is maybe, you know, Tom Dunner and I spoke at, during the week of uh, Cam Ward's uh, Hall of Fame induction and, and the stadium series game. You know, this team is you know, so far beyond, geez, wouldn't it be nice to make the playoff? Now everything short of winning a Stanley Cup is going to be viewed with a sense of, disappointment or a sense of not having taken advantage of the potential. And that's a hard, that's a, that's a bar that is set exceedingly high, high and it's set that high for a very limited number of NHL teams. But that's where the Carolina Hurricanes are at. And I think that's a healthy thing. At the end of the day, if this team doesn't win a top four, you know, to me, if you don't go to a conference final, then you have to ask the hard questions about, geez, where did things go wrong? But I think that's probably who doesn't want to be in that world where that's what's expected of you. And you know, may you know, we're going to find out. And uh, and teams all over the NHL, given you know, Shane, as you mentioned, given the prices that were paid and the players that moved, there will starting the second week of the playoffs, there will be teams going, "Gee, why did we do that? Or could we have done more?" There will be second guessing very early on for a lot of NHL teams, and if Caroline is as good as they've shown right now. Maybe there's no second guessing at all. Yeah, and I think that's that's the biggest question. And I think what some people, I don't know if we forget or we overlook, <clears throat> like Don Waddell and Tom Dundon and their staff did try to do other things. Yeah. They did. There was a lot of calls made. They were in on a lot of different things that just didn't pan out. But it came down to one of those things of the prices and the value they see in those things. Now, again, only one team is going to win. So only one team, whether it be the Carolina Hurricanes, who some people say didn't spend enough, or it's going to be one of those teams that really spent. But as you mentioned, Scott, the rest of those teams that overspent, cupboards are a little bare for a couple of years. And and that's that's the hard part. You have to go now try and recuperate those kind of picks and there's just never, ever that for sure answer. But the one thing I lean on and what Rod Brindamore leans on is the for sure answer that he knows what he has in that room. All right. So that this is something that Shane and I covered, and I kind of I'll, I'll piggyback on this. Scott, you've heard it before, and, and Shane gave a good answer, which is you always hear when you make a big ad at the trade deadline, well, we owed it to the guys in the room. To go for it. Well, if you felt that your team was good enough to win, why do you need to make a big ad, right? That's that's always my thing. I, I don't understand why that's never talked to, talked about enough. Henry Lundquist said that on TNT. 
right? When everything was yep. going down, he's like, am I reading the stats page wrong? Because this is the second best team in the Eastern Conference, and you guys think they should pick up two or three guys? What for? Yeah. They've beat everyone in the East already. So because Boston added Garrett Hathaway and Orlov, you think they can't beat them? Those were the two players that make Boston over the top? No, the players that make Boston over the top are were the ones Posternock, who are there. Posternock, Burge, Run. Right. And, and guys, the other thing, too, and Scott, I know that we're answering questions for you. That we're Scott, thanks for joining us. Thanks we're for really joining us, Scott Burnside. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, but it, it, it kind of, it's, we can talk about all of these things in the playoffs. It always comes down to the guy who stands in the blue paint in your goaltender. That's what it, it always comes down to. Do you get the save at the right time to win the game? So we can talk about all these moves. Nobody added a goaltender that you're taking a look at. Everybody's rolling in with this is who we have. No problem, goalies. There's no pressure on you. Yeah, no pressure on goalies <laughs> whatsoever. But uh, just, to, just to put that back on a tee for you, like you hear that all the time. So how come – what's wrong with a general manager or a head coach, which Rod Brindamore did clearly say, as Shane pointed out, I, I love this team. We didn't need to do anything. And then I look north of the border, and I'm like, you need a program to follow the Maple Leafs now. They have a whole new team. Well, yeah, and I think to me that's the other – like, and I think there's a balance, right? Like, you know, and I think Rod is probably at the, the forefront of the kind of coach who, you know, I'm sure Jim Montgomery in Boston was like, no, oh, I, I love my team. And, you know, you bring in Tyler Bertuzzi and Dimitri Orlov and, and Garnet Hathaway. You know, in some ways, they are complementary players, not unlike what the Hurricanes did. They, you know, sure, they added, you know, an extra player. And Bertuzzi's maybe a little bit more high profile up front coming from Detroit and, and Orlov is a Stanley cup winner. But I go back to the kinds of moves that Don Waddell made in the off season. And you have Brent Burns, you have Paul Staffney on the back end, Max Pacioretty had he been healthy would have been in that same group as well. But players who have playoff experience, but have yet to win the big prize. And so the hunger to win a Stanley cup, that's a calculated part of your roster building, right? Dimitri Orlov is an, it's, it, listen, he's lit it up in an incredible way since going to Boston. Yeah. But I understand why you want that kind of player. He's probably going to, you know, he's playing somewhere, you know, that's a good deep defensive team. So wherever he slots in in their top six, it, it's going to be a bonus. But his experience is important. I, I think that, you know, when I look at the, the makeup of this Carolina Hurricanes team, you know, they, those kinds of additions were made in the offseason. So you've had a full season now. For Paul Sassy to figure out how you know where he fits in, and Rod Brindamore has used him in lots of different circumstances. I'm sure you're going to see that in the playoffs. Brent Burns up to, continues to impress in, in my mind, and I think come playoff time, his value to this team is going to go up exponentially. So, you know, you can add some of those pieces at the trade deadline. You can add early in the season. You talked about the Blues team that essentially did very little at the 2019. Um, trade deadline, but Ryan O'Reilly yep. had come in the off season and, you know, had, was, had, had been integrated into a team that, you know, of course everyone remembers was in last place at one point early in, in 2019. So, you know, I, I think you build your team in increments and this trade deadline was so crazy and so wacky um, that I think we sometimes forget how difficult it is for a player to come in, especially an elite player who's playing, you know, top six minutes or moving into power play time, um, how difficult it is to integrate to a new team, to a new city, to a new group of uh, teammates. If you've moved a family, all those things 
are are very difficult in a very short window. Like we see Ryan O'Reilly's already out now with an injury from Toronto Maple Leafs, expected back for the playoffs, presumably. But you know, you've got you've made this huge ad and now he's gone and and an already difficult process is made even more difficult um with an injury there. So, you know, all the best laid plans, you know, can go awry in, in a heartbeat. And I think the more you add, the more difficult challenges for the players and the coaching staff in those markets to, to make it come together in, in a timely fashion. And it's not just, you know, you know, let's have it ready for the you know, the, the middle of April, if you're not ready, you can be gone in a week, a week and a half. So I, I think that's, again, that's something to keep in mind when you look at geez, you know, do you wish you had two or three extra new players, you know, trying to fit into this roster? Honestly, I don't see that. Well, and from watching since, you know, the deadline ended, when you watch all of these teams, my question mark falls on the New York Rangers. You had one of, Mike, we can argue that Patrick Kane is one of the best American-born players. Is he the best ever? Top three for sure, sure no oh, question. Yeah. Have the Rangers caught fire yet? Is that a skills problem? There's only, and I love the other analysis people have used, there's only one puck on the ice, right? There's only so much ice time The coach. How do I get all these guys on there so much? And it hasn't seemed to help the Rangers yet. No one's caught fire and said, here we go. Look out for the Rangers because... The NHL, I know, is sitting there saying, let's see Rangers-Devils first round. That's must-see TV. Thank you very much. But if I was the Rangers, I wouldn't feel overly confident walking into New Jersey with the way they play. Yeah. So. Well, and that, yeah. No, I think, I think they're, and I, I've watched Rangers pretty closely the last two or three weeks, and they're an interesting team because, yeah, I mean, you, Tarasenko comes in early, then you have Patrick Kane. But really, to me, the question is, you know, where are they at defensively? They're, they've been very loose. Um, you know, Shesterkin has had a fairly mortal regular season, right? And, you know, it, it, it has all conspired to, you know, I'm sure it's unsettling for, you know, some of it's a very young team. Now you've got all these guys, you know, these two guys, plus Tyler Mott comes back to the team. So there's a lot of change there. And they have looked to me like a team and again, it may, it may mean nothing when it comes to game one of the playoff, but they do look like a team that is very much searching for their identity, or searching for their game. And in New Jersey, what a fascinating team, right? They bring in, I would argue, the, the, the most sought-after player or the player with the biggest upside, both short-term and long-term, in Timo Meyer. And I think it's, you know, no question, as you guys mentioned, Don Waddell and the Carolina Hurricanes did their due diligence. There's no question there was discussion about Timo Meyer, who's a fine hockey player, and and at 26 years old, is right right in the wheelhouse. So, yeah, you know, New Jersey will have to integrate an important part of uh, of uh, uh, their offense, and it will take some time there. But just one player, and I'm fascinated to see again if that first round matchup, Devils Rangers, if it happens, what's the outcome? Right? Because again, at the end of it, it's going to be like, wow, what you know. Whoever wins the other the other team will there will be a lot of geez could we have done more did we do too much or, or whatever it is I mean to me that's what makes the playoffs great but especially what we're anticipating um, you know come the third week of April I, I can't wait for it to happen Well I think we're all looking forward to the postseason but you can't hit the fast forward button yet 
in the East, uh, let's say nobody's catching Boston in the Atlantic Division, and you know the the Canes can try to give them a run for the the President's Trophy in the overall top spot. But do you ever remember a year, Scott, where finishing first and second is vitally important if you want to? And I don't want to say an easier road. Every every series is difficult, but when you look at how the the second uh, and third teams in each division would match up. If you're playing Toronto, you know, you're like, I got to play Toronto in the first round. Well, Toronto's sitting there going, we got to play Tampa Bay in the first round. And then New York and New Jersey are looking at each other right now as the Canes have a four-point lead as of the uh, taping of this podcast in the Metro Division. I just think that this year it's vitally important to finish in first in your division if you're in the East so you get the wild card. Although the wild cards, you know, Pittsburgh, they've got Sidney Crosby. I don't ever want to go into a playoff series and feeling comfortable that you can beat Sidney Crosby in that group. And the other team is going to catch fire, you know, to, to make the push to get in there. I'm just asking, has it ever been in your mind this important to get to those top two spots? Even though I just said it's really not going to matter after that with all the pushing that's going on. Once again, we've answered our own questions. We asked and answered, I believe, in a court of law. Did you, yes. Did you like my response? Or, uh, yeah, it was, no, it was perfect. <laughs> but here, Well, here's the – I mean, the, the crazy part is that, you know, again, if it's Rangers-Devils, if it's Toronto-Tampa playing in the first round, then you're going – you're guaranteed to have two of the top ten teams in the NHL, so 16 teams make the playoffs. Two of the top 10 are going to be gone in the first round. And and I, to your point, I I think you – I don't think Carolina is going to catch Boston. I don't think it's a big deal if they don't. Um, but I do think winning the division, and certainly Boston's put itself in a, you know, it's a spot where it's, you know, they'll lock the, up the division probably in a matter of hours. Um but I think it is important for Carolina to be in first place. And I think it's something that is, to me, it's important to have those kinds of shorter-term goals. Because, Mike, you're right. You can't, you can't wish yourself into the first round right now. You've got to wait. You've got to bide your time. You've got to, you know, all the cliches about growing your game and having your game be at its absolute best when you want it to be come the playoffs. So you have to have things that are right in front of you. And I think staying in first place is really important. I think that game against New Jersey this coming weekend is going to be a ton of fun to watch because both teams understand just as, as Mike, as you've laid it out, how important it's going to be to be in first place to give yourself a better shot. There are no guarantees. I mean, you know, who knows better than Tampa in 2018, 62 wins swept by Columbus in the first round. So we're not assuming anything. But it is, I think, an, it is a, a, a normal human trait to want to be in first place. Got home ice advantage through the first two rounds. If you go that far, those are important, attainable goals. So I do think it's important for uh, Carolina, especially Boston is a given, I think. It's important to be in first place. It, and that does, in theory, mean it's a tougher road to travel if you're the Rangers or Devils or Tampa or Toronto. In theory, it should be a tougher road to travel. It doesn't always work out that way, but that's the theory. And I think that's it makes sense to be wanting to follow along that path and say, hey, guys, this is an important goal for us to keep working towards and to keep our, our, our you know, keep ourselves on point for when it really does matter come game one of the first round. Well, Scott, we've been so focused on the Eastern Conference, I just want to ask, are we sleeping on a team in, in the West 
And uh, when I'm saying sleeping on a team, the Colorado Avalanche who are getting healthy and, oh, by the way, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I think, you know, but it is it is a tale of two worlds when you when you, you know, contemplate the East and what it's going to take to to navigate the Eastern Conference playoff grid and the West where, yes, call, you know, who wouldn't like Colorado at this stage? They are getting healthy. Um, you know, a couple of um, depth moves at the trade deadline. Um, but there are a lot, to, to me, there are a lot of teams you, you can make case for going all the way to the Stanley Cup final. That's how wide open the West is. And, you know, whether it's Vegas, you know, personally, who doesn't now want to see LA Kings, Vegas play in the playoffs? Jonathan Quick, maybe getting a chance to play against his old teammates. Um, but all of those teams, uh, that are going to be in the playoffs in the Western Conference, I think you can make a case for, um, oh, well, you know, why not the Edmonton Oilers, yeah. right? It's, it's Stuart Skinner is going to be the guy in goal. Can he carry them? You know, certainly they you know they have the best player on the planet by a country mile in Connor McDavid. Uh, you look at a, a team like, I do love, I love the, the LA Kings and the moves that they made uh, after the deadline uh, and uh, Seattle, made no moves basically and yet are they're a team that has really i think has very quickly become a team that can play any style of game and if they can get the goaltending from grubauer they're a team that i could see winning two or three so i I like the west i guess for me yes colorado i'm i'm curious now with dallas i love the max domi ad there um you know the goaltending with ottinger the back end is so youthful and, 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 and talented. Lots of depth up front. To, you know, the offense seems to dry up a little bit. I do like Dallas as a team that seems built for a long haul there. But, you know, to answer your question, it, it, it truly is wide open in a way that is completely different from the Eastern Conference where there's such a, uh, a collection of elite hockey teams uh, compared to the West. Scott, I'm going to let you either – protect the league or maybe throw a jab because the players have been talking about it. Fans talk about it. Media talks about it. The playoff format, should it go back to one through eight in your mind or do you like the format as it is? Yeah, I don't like it. Um, and it, it, it probably, I saw a couple of charts over the last few weeks. Would it be any different? Um, the matchups, uh, it, you know, if you, if you went straight one, eight, um, compared to uh, the way it's set up now with the wild card and the, the wild card crossing over to the other division. What I don't like about it is that when a wild card team goes to, like, let's say it's the Islanders in Pittsburgh, so you have five teams from the Met- Metropolitan Division. Let's say the Islanders are the team that goes over to the Atlantic and they play Boston. If the Islanders beat Boston in the first round, they are going to play the winner of Toronto, Tampa. To me, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> to me, you under one to eight, then if Carolina beat Pittsburgh in the first round as the top seeded team, they should the top seeded team should always play the, the lowest team points wise in, in the next round. And, and so I think that to me that's the part that is uh, is a bit confounding. I understand the whole divisional idea and why it's set up this way but i do think that players prefer one to eight 
And I think it's the, I think in, uh, in giving some sort of benefit to your best teams, that's an important, that's an important part that is taken away with this current setup. If that makes any sense. Yeah, completely. I, I agree. Um, I just think that, you know, setting up and being rewarded. So you get a little bit of a better matchup as you move through the first and second round. I get it. Um, the other big question I have for you is when you look at the East, who do you see landing in wild card nation? Cause it's going to be tight to the wire. Yeah, it is tight. And I, <clears throat> I've, uh, this is thousand Ottawa, uh, who've been clamoring for, you know, why, why aren't you on the send bandwagon? <laughs> why aren't you, you know, but, and then of course they get crushed by Chicago the other night. And go, ah, that's why, cause they're not ready. And, you know, I watched Buffalo and, you know, they lose a heartbreaker last night to the Islanders. You know, I don't think Buffalo's quite ready. Um, Florida is the interesting team for me as they very slowly are digging themselves out of what has been a sort of a season-long hole. I wonder if they've waited too long now. Huge win for the Penguins last night, down 4 nothing against Columbus. Coming back, Sidney Crosby, Mike, you mentioned him, scores the overtime winner. I think the Penguins have done enough and and will stay in the, one of the wild card spots. And I think the Islanders, I just, you know, the goaltending is so good there with Sorokin. Um, they played a lot more games, so teams can make up ground. Like, there's no, they're not locked in at all. I think the Islanders find a way to, to sneak in. And I have to tell you, wouldn't it be fun to have a Carolina-Pittsburgh first-round series? No, I never get tired of watching Sidney Crosby play. And there's just, I don't know. It's magical to watch him, even though the Penguins have, you know, struggled since going back to back in, in tough wins in 16 and 17. But um, I think that would be a fun series, Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh. That's uh, that's I'm putting my request in now. Uh, are you taking requests <laughs> yes. today? Okay. Yes, we are. Okay. We'll send it to the commissioner. Good. Yeah, it's it's okay. an, it's an all request all request Wednesday here on Gainscast. So this one's going out to Scott Burnside. From Burnside on Hockey and, of course, CarolinaHurricanes.com. I wanted to go back and revisit the playoff thing that Shane brought up. So would you guys indulge me for a minute? Hit the rewind button. Go ahead. Well, no, I'm I'm not going to be contrarian for the point of it. My problem with the playoff format is the NHL tried to appease everybody, and when you do that, you make everybody pissed off. Because they tried to keep keep the one through eight by having a wild card, but then they wanted the, you know, the dinosaurs like me who loved the old Adams division and the Norris and, and the Smythe, you know, and the, the Patrick division where one through four played each other, and that's where the rivalries really came to oh, light. Yeah. And, you know, you it was you were trying to win your division playoffs to get out. So it was the division semifinals, the division finals, and then the winner of the Adams would play the winner of the Patrick because they were in the East, and that's where the hatred built up. But then you were getting some years where – you know, you're you're getting a finisher in the Patrick division who's got, you know, 15 more points than the fourth-place team in the Adams division. You're like, well, why are we home? Right. And you're like, well, because nobody cares about the Patrick division. That's what I used to say yeah. watching the Adams. <laughs> but, like, if you're going to do it, you have to do it the right way. You have to say, no, we have divisional playoffs, and if you want to get in, finish in the top four in your division. And then you can say, well, you're already eliminating a playoff team by doing this, or you just say we're doing one through eight. And if we do that, if we do one through eight, that's where I will agree with what Scott said. You have to reseed in yeah. as the I, rounds I, I, move you, on. Yeah, I agree with the reseed. Like the the second round has to be reseeded yeah. because then by the time when you get to the conference final, you're not going to reseed again. The only thing that would matter would be home ice advantage. Right. And when um, you talk about rivalries, I mean, 
It doesn't matter who you're playing. It's the playoffs. The but, fans get it. But the division rivalries, there is, and, and Shane, you know this, why do, does everybody in Edmonton loathe everybody in Calgary? Why do people in Winnipeg hate people in Edmonton? Because of those divisional playoffs that you had through the 80s where that's the team we had to get over. Uh, the Adams division, it's why Montreal and Boston and Hartford and Quebec and Buffalo all can't, like those fan bases to this day can't stand each other. Yeah. And, I think and the Oilers fans just hate it because Calgary gets more Chinooks. That uh, could be why. The odd day of warmth during the winter. So that <laughs> <laughs> we hate him for it. I, I, all I know is the climate changes way quicker in Calgary than it does in Edmonton when we're out there. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, don't do – that's my problem with the playoffs, Scott, that the NHL tried to do this half measure of trying to make everybody happy. And, and it, it, it doesn't work in the long run. Yeah, no, it's true. And I'm actually looking at the standings now. And if you went by points percentage, the matchups would be – exactly the same yeah. if you were going one to eight so it, you know but it does be, it creates this this offset situation after the first round where you know somehow Boston gets knocked off in the first round well now you you're gonna have the eighth best team playing either the fourth or fifth best team in the conference in the second round and in theory if it was Carolina and Jersey so now you get the second and third teams playing each other and the fourth and the eighth playing each other well that's ridiculous right that yeah. makes no sense so um and i do think you know for me it's always been like i thought I, I felt i felt badly for tampa the year they got swept by columbus right like a little bit like you know like you you win 62 games and we're talking about the length of time like was it over in six days or something like that like it was ridiculous but to me you know as much as possible there should be a benefit to being the president's trophy winner for being the best team in the conference. And if it's, you know, it, it, as much as possible, that should be built into your playoff system, that the best teams are rewarded by playing the teams, I don't want to say the worst teams, because they're, you know, it's a relative thing come playoff time, but the teams who are furthest away in the standings should always play the best teams. That should always be how it works. And, and Mike, to your point, you know, the NHL had – they, they wanted this, you know, the history, and they wanted that rivalry yep. dynamic, and I totally understand that. But you know what? There's a pretty darn good rivalry between Carolina and Boston. Yep. They're in different divisions. It, to me, it happens naturally because your good teams are going to continue to play each other, you know, at some point in the playoffs year after year. I don't think you have to manufacture it, and I don't think you have to turn a playoff system on its head to try and get that and i think i I, and i know some of the players were asked about it at all-star um i think you know if you put true serum in in all of the the players and and ask them to vote the vast majority would feel the same way because it's just it's it's better and fair more fair to, to, to go one day yeah well don't even get me started how the league has decided that uh in your division where you know you're trying to to that's the the main goal right finishing the top three that there are teams in the Atlantic who only play certain teams in the Atlantic three times and then the rest of the division four times. There are teams in the Metro. It's the same thing. Metro, you play some teams four times. You play other teams three times. Why don't you just take the games away from the other side of your conference? But that's a, that's a whole other debate We're for a whole other day. We are already hole. bogged down. But I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, if anybody watched the TV series Breaking Bad, in the words of Mike Trout, no half measures. 
If you do it, you go the whole way, and then you yep. and then you live with the consequences after that. I think we solved a lot of things here today. I think I don't know. Of course, we always do. Thank you. Oh, excuse me, I, I did that the wrong way. Thank you. There we go. Now we're set. Scott Burnside, Burnside on hockey, special contributor to the Carolina Hurricanes website, Carolina Hurricanes. It's hurricanes dot com. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for wrapping up the trade deadline for us, Scott. Oh, listen, you know I'm always excited when uh, I know I'm going to chat with you guys. And uh, can't wait to see what happens over the next three or four weeks. And, and certainly can't wait till uh, as we get closer to actually talking about the playoffs and the matchups and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, call any time. Always, uh, always love our chat. Thank you. He joined us. I think we talked more than he did. I think we did. <laughs> well, our apologies. He might Sorry. not call back ever. Sorry, Scotty. Sorry. No, he'll call back. He'll call back. Well, that makes up for the time he got me and you to get angry at each other. He did start that. Yeah, he did. I'm glad we're back together. Yeah, we are back together. Uh, I, again, we go over the trade deadline. I, I, I just don't want to belabor this point. I like what the Canes did. They didn't give up anything off of this roster that is going to be a part of it for years to come. They didn't give a big part of their future away in draft picks. They added right now what looks to be an extremely good fit on the back end in Shane Gross despair. We'll see about the forward up front and Puglia Yarvi and what his role can be. But you know what else the Canes do with those two two moves? Depth. Because injuries are going to happen. You know, already Jalen Chatfield didn't play in the third period against Montreal with an upper body situation. And uh, as we're recording this, it was an off day today, no media availability. We don't have an update on Auntie Ranta, who left after the first period in, in net, but Frederick Anderson came in and played well, and as he always does, and we don't have an update on Jalen Chatfield. But now you have Calvin DeHaan and Dylan Coughlin, two defensemen that you can turn to and say, okay, if we like this matchup, we can put these guys in. We'll find out how the, the forward depth is going to shake out, but you're going to have a guy who's not playing you know, on a nightly basis for the Carolina Hurricanes, whoever it is, who's an NHL player that you can turn to if you need to make a, a change to your roster. Well, and I can tell you from taking a stroll past the ice today, DeHaan, Coglin, and Pugliarvi were on the ice together with Jeff Daniels, taking some shots, getting some work in. So the question is, after, you know, no team practice, which yeah. we know – Rod always loves to have when guys are coming in and, you know, learning the system. Does Yessi get in the lineup tomorrow night against the Flyers? You know, time will tell because they will morning skate tomorrow. But those are now – it's funny how the clock swings back and forth because Don Waddell was, you know, having to make the tough decisions on trade deadline time. And now Rod Brenner has got the tough decision of where do I play guys, who do I play them with, and which lines will work the best, which – Again, he's a chemist, and he does an amazing job. That's why he's the best coach in the league, and he and he continues to show that. You're getting quality. I'm going to go even further in quality. Great performance right now from the Stasny line. We saw it again last yep. night in Montreal. Really, and watching that game was a line that really turned the game for the Kings and the way they worked and the things they did to energize that comeback and that victory for the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, the strength of this team, Shane – isn't we rely on one guy to go out and get 97 points for us. It's the group. The, the strength of the, the, the Hurricanes is they lead the league in goals by defensemen. Two more goals against Montreal with Jacob Slavin and Brady Shea adding to those totals. And then 
the contributions you get. That Stasny line with Nason and Stepan has been really good. I mean, it's that's not a, oh, well, we're going to spot them here. You can play them and give them minutes, and they grind. And it's funny because Tripp brought it up on the broadcast, Tripp Tracy, our colleague. Because I don't know how many shifts I remember this line being in their own zone, meaning playing defense. Like, they've been hard on pucks. The stall line, same thing. And now, that Sunday game against Tampa, if you can get Code Kenyemi, Taravine, and Natchez, like half of that. I'm not expecting 11 points I'd love points five points every night from Kokaniemi. But, I mean, 11 Patrick points out of that Turbo. line, yeah. Uh, if you get half of that, you're, you're you're in business now. And I think we all know how good Sebastian Ajo is in, in driving it. Although, there was a question, and I do want to ask you this, because I think it's kind of ridiculous, and maybe we're spoiled we watch him all the time, is, is Sebastian Ajo a superstar? And the line was, well, he's got to do it in the playoffs, and that's when you get that moniker. Like, this is a point-per-game player in a league now where it is hard to be a point-per-game player. You want to know the longest he's gone without scoring a point this year? Two games. He's done it five times where he's gone two games without a point, and then he gets points, and then just points on points on points. Yeah, we're definitely spoiled because we get to watch him each and every night, and we know him and know what he means to this group off the ice. Um, and, again, I think that is a level – when you look at the playoffs of where the spotlight does turn to a right. guy. And that's part of the business. That's not sure. a knock on Sebastian. Oh, no, no, I just, I'm like, if you watched him every night, as opposed to, you know, once every month, right. You have a, a much different appreciation for the player he is and how he drives the game. Right. And I think when you, when I look at those times in the playoffs and again, he's performed in the playoffs, but what, media if you will or some fans will well the canes haven't knocked off the big dog right eastern conference final the canes win and sebastian leads away now now you're going to say all of a sudden he's a superstar it just depends on the value what you're looking at and where your levels look at you could say if is Connor mcdavid not a superstar how have they done in the playoffs austin matthews is he not a superstar right how's toronto in the playoffs not so good. You know, Canes have a much better playoff record than Austin Matthews and Toronto Maple Leafs. So you look at those things, you look where Sebastian finishes every year in points in the National Hockey League. He is a superstar. Plain and simple. So I bring it up. And Easy question. My response to you. Thank you. It was like a tap-in. I know. I didn't score many tap-ins. I, I wasn't even going to do the... If you like it, you can take it. I miss tap-ins on the golf course. Right back. You know. yeah, I know you do. That's the only advantage I have over you. And it's not even an advantage because I'm putting from 34 feet away usually. You're putting from six. We're both going to make it two. Exactly right. So, not like an advantage per se. Uh, I do have one of these for you, though. If you okay. like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. And it does involve the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I, I, I know what... Uh, you're kind of making the face right there. But the Canes power play went from 23rd to 13th with this little injection of Shane Gostaspare into the lineup. The ghost. The Canes power play at the end of the season will finish in the top 10. Now, that's 1 through 10. Mm-hmm. Not like 9. Not like they have uh, to get to 9. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that because we have already made a jump to 13. Yeah. If you told me we were still sitting at 23, I'd probably say no. I mean, but since we skyrocketed, 
Um, Going six for eight helps. Solid. I think, again, it's amazing. And I agree with the players. And we hear from Rod talk about the power play. It hasn't been horrible. And they say, you know, Hannah's asked guys between the periods. What's been the difference? Well, the puck's going in. You know, they're moving around the same way. They're getting their quality chances. The puck, you know, on a couple of uh, the shots going through are finding the net. And that's the difference between 13 and 25. Simple. Um, but I will take that inside the top 10 because I think this is an area. When you look at the schedule that's upcoming and the amount of practice time that you have, one of the things that will be focused on is the power play daily. You're not going to have much time. Right. That's going to be a focus. All right. You ready for questions? Always ready. We got a ton, so let's motor through it. Dale Belvin has two for us. Ready? Yeah. Is it harder to pick up on this team's offensive game plan or defensive game plan for a new guy? I would say probably defensively because there is more to it, and you played, but I'm going back to my memories of setting things up and breaking down tape. There's more to watch for defensively where offensively there can kind of be a little bit of freedom you can yeah you can create a little bit a lot more more freedom in the offensive zone obviously the canes are all about pressure but that pressure and the chemistry in which we talk about in the show all the time defensively is a lot more important because offensively if you make a mistake can't get scored on usually from that end defensively if you miss coverage or in this system being that aggressive when a defenseman goes, if you're not above the puck, as we talk about all the time, on the defensive side in a proper position, you're going to get beat. And if you're a step off in this system, you're in big trouble. So defensively, no question. All right. Uh, Dell has a follow-up. Uh, your expectations for Puglio Yarvi. Hmm. I'll let you answer this. Because mine is just play hard. I'm going to take the yeah, easy route. I'd love to see him play hard and play big and, you know, He's a big guy. I didn't realize he was that big. He's big. He is a big man. You know, so. bring a little edge, physicality. But, you know, do I hope, as I do for every young player in this league, is I hope he catches lightning in a bottle. Yep. I really do. Well, and you know sometimes that was something we were going to get into. I, I want to see him play for. Sometimes players just need a change of scenery. You know when you're in Edmonton, that's it. 24-7, they're on you. Yeah. And if you're a top five pick for a Canadian team, and you're not in the conversation for the Hart Trophy, people are going to – you can score 60 points a year, and people are going to label you a bust. There's only a couple guys that get talked about in Edmonton. <laughs> so – Wayne Gretzky. Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl. Correct. The rest and of the, the team the, is the, just support staff. And then the goaltenders. They always get talked about. Because if you let in too many and you still lose, you stink. Because Connor's put up six. So, uh, Pat Rubin asks, when a new player is acquired this time of year, do they live at a hotel – or does one of the players take them in, adding, just love these podcasts? Well, Thank you. Uh, it's, I think it's different because... It's a great question. Some, some players will take in, in a guy. I, I would have to think that one of the Finns is taking in Yesse at this point, so he doesn't have to live in a hotel. I guess it depends on the guy's living situation True. too, right? It's like tough if, he had, to yeah, like, if he's got family and kids. Yeah, and, single guy and um, family and all that. But, I'm, but they do, obviously, they do have... Um, hotels i think a lot of teams also may look at just renting a furnished apartment you know several the business and companies do all the time when they have people coming in to work for you know two three four months they have those abilities at, at all these apartment complexes around raleigh but um quick story i'll give you a good background of when i traded because everyone's like that's crazy mine happened 
probably as quick as anybody, which you saw some of these teams. We were in Chicago, and Tripp did a great piece on this um, during the throwback this year. Traded after the game. So I barely had got out of my equipment when I walked into the coach's room. Management was there, told me I'd been traded to Tampa. I walked back into the room, shower, grab my bag of things that I needed to play for Tampa, um, grab my very small suitcase that was on the bus because I only had a two-day trip. Now I'm moving. Um, take a taxi to the airport hotel, sleep that night, take the 6 a.m. flight to Tampa, morning skate with Tampa at 10 a.m., sleep in the hotel across the street, play that night for Tampa against the Oilers. That's how fast it happens. Yeah. All right. That's how trading goes in professional <laughs> sports. Yeah. It's no time to no time to think about it. Then I wore the same suit for a week because I had no clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Continually getting chirped every day when did, I walked in. Did you not have a credit card? I mean, yeah, but I didn't have a car. <laughs> Your teammates did. Somebody could have taken you shopping. No. Nobody did. All right. I just well, wore the suit. That was also pre-Uber, just so everybody knows. If people said, why did you Now Uber we're so aging ourselves, Well, right? we, we, we're aged. Uh, Lori wants to know, when the Canes go on the road and stay at hotels, do they each get their own rooms, or do they pair up in room together? If they pair up, who chooses the pairs? This has changed. Again, showing your age. There used to be, right? You used to have roomies. Now you don't. We used to have roomies. But if you're on your entry-level contract, you have a roommate. Yes. If not, don't let the kids stay in their own room. <laughs> kids can't be in their own uh, room trust all the old room. guys now because of the cba get their own rooms yeah that was something the players fought for in the agreement yep enough so. of this roommates you know what they hated i mean my roommates hate me because of my snoring you are a lumberjack i do jack. like to fire up the chainsaw <laughs> yes lumberjack i apologize to Shane my wife on the few times you've been on the road and you're taking your afternoon nap i have walked past the door and i went no is, way. Is he, is he watching a documentary about forestry? What's going on here? I'm, that is true. <laughs> I can't deny it. <laughs> uh, this comes from Steve Kika's question for the podcast. Well, we'll answer it, Steve. How many pucks are used in a typical game? It's a good question. I can't believe it. Like, you know, baseballs, they say they go through like, you know, four because dozen. Because they do, even though the pucks don't go out of play as much anymore, they do change them out. There's a uh, freezer in the penalty box. They yeah. pull them out every once in a while. I see the guy toss one out the door. But they just, like, they rotate the pucks though, right? It's not like they, once well, they I use a they, puck, they don't use a puck I think they look at anymore, if it's been right? chipped, because yeah. obviously the edges chip sometimes. Uh, they'll throw it away. Also, with player tracking yeah. and analytics and everything now, there are, you know, special little chips inside the puck, I guess, if you will. Catch one of those, it's worth more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Coming to eBay near you. Uh, this is Michael O'Neill. How good was it to watch KK, that's yes, Barry Code Kenyemi, get the shootout winner? I know I yelled. I did too. But I, I also it. did. Yeah. It's great. It, I, love, I love things like that. The poetic justice of every time he touched the puck, night. he's getting booed, and then he he scores the goal. It, it's it's the way it should be if it's going to happen. And I can tell you on the flight home, the smile did not come off of his face. I really wish, and yes, Perry, probably, I'm not sure if he even know who this guy is, but I wish he would have did the Hulk Hogan oh, ear to the crowd. Uh, he did, I like the wave. The wave he did was the nice. wave. That was nice. That was good. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Frenchies. <laughs> so, um, Tyler Searles. I'm going to go with it, Searles. Okay. With Auntie Ranta leaving the game early last night, does that end his consecutive game point streak? How is that handled? Now, 
It's a good question. He is not on a consecutive game point streak. He is on a consecutive decision point streak because goaltenders can get pulled, like like starting pitchers. Pitchers can get pulled. And so he would be, have got a no decision yeah, last Yeah, he night. got the no decision last night. Frederick Anderson gets the win. Correct. So, so yes. So, I yes. His decision streak is still intact because, if you remember, he did get pulled in a game. Uh, I believe it was St. Louis, the Jordan Martinook hat trick game. He got pulled yep. in that game, and uh, the Canes went and won because he he left, I think, after the first period. And uh, Also Piotr a minor tweak in that game, yeah. though. Yeah. So, so he didn't get the decision. Piotr Kochetkov did. So his decision streak is still intact at 15 games. Great so, question. Yeah, good in one. depth right there. Appreciate that one. Uh, let's stick with Auntie Ronta, Joey Nelms. Could the Canes approach Ronta about backing up Piotr next year? Give him that veteran Alina. We're already talking about next year? We just passed the trade. To, um, uh, yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say anything with this team is possible. Could you approach Auntie? Yes. Could you approach Freddie? Yes. Is it a one-two with Kocheka? Yeah. Plenty of options, well, but yes. Yeah, they're they're all there. Uh, Chris Baker, how are the three stars picked? Usually the median, every, uh, every arena is pulled. I'm going to go into this one because I did see... Oh, someone texted me or someone tweeted. Some people were upset that Tavo was not the first star with a hat trick. Jesperi had five points. Four assists. Right. A goal and four assists. Five points. It's so a, I a think that may be game. where this question is referencing. Um, Perhaps. I mean, the decision wasn't wrong. It's when it used to it's be always thing- the same media person. Or they just tell somebody. Uh, sometimes, pick the stars. I mean, sometimes it used to be, you know, they'd hand out. It it, it really does change, like building to building. How they it does. Do it. Uh, but remember, there used to be the award for the. I don't know if you remember this, but I do. Like there was an actual award at the end of the year for who had the most, you know, stars at the end of the season. It it wasn't oh. like a heart trophy or anything like that. I I don't know if it who sponsored it, but I I, I vaguely remember this. Um, and now it's just a thing in the building to, you know, as long as your team is one, two, and three, who cares what order they're in. Yeah, the guys don't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, again, I can I can probably tell you that Tavo Teravina did not mind being named the second star. That way he didn't have to do the first star interview. Yeah, let's sit on the bench <laughs> and talk to Hannah. <laughs> we kid because we care. Uh, this one comes through. Let's go back to the goaltending situation. Here Wolf, we go. Wolfpack Kaniac. Honest thoughts on what happens in the summer with the goaltending situation. Anderson, Ronta, PK have all stood on their heads at various times this year, but you have to think there's an odd man out when it comes to next year's roster. Thanks so much for what you do, gents. Well, thank you. Also, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anything's possible. Look, I, I, you know, I'm a GM. I'm going to trade four first-round draft picks and get some guy you never heard of. You want my honest assessment on that? I think two of the three are going to be here. And then, Thank you, other captain. Obviously. Well, I mean, no, because I could, I could say just one of the three. Oh, it's true. It's, it's so. Aha! Rescind your captain. I apologize obvious for your outburst. Give the captain back to him. Yeah, he's he's got the. You hand. are the captain. Uh, I I think my gut feeling tells me it'll be two of the three will be here. But again, we we've kind of covered this. But here's what I'm going to tell everybody: just calm down. Let's worry about that when we have to. Yeah, let's enjoy the spring. Exactly, Wolfpack Kaniac. Who's also at Wolfpack Kaniac. Maybe hit a few golf balls on yeah. your lunch hour. Let's enjoy enjoy springtime. Open up the window and let all that pollen into your office. Just take a trip as talked about. Yeah, fuzz. breathe that in. Yes, <laughs> breathe in velour. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Uh, Roger Hurley, why do you think we have the most overtime games in the NHL this season? 
Well, after the third period, the games are tied. So we. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'll put it in two reasons. One, because this league, the difference between winning and losing in the NHL is razor thin. It, the, the margins are so slim, uh, and the, the hurricanes, I'm going to put this on a, a good note. They're never out of a game. That's why they go to overtime. I mean, they're down four. Stat of how many come from behind victories? But they, they're down four, one to LA. They're down two goals to San Jose. They're down to... You know, Montreal. And you know it used to be the old days where we're just going to clog up everything. Good luck. Yeah. Neutral zone trap. There's, Thanks, there's New Jersey. There's really no way to slow down the game. That's, that's, that's a big reason That's the why. hardest part. You can't protect the lead anymore. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin it to a positive. It's what Shane just said. You can't protect a lead in the Philly game here where the Canes had the huge lead and then Philly's just like, we're going to fly the zone and we're going to be aggressive shorthanded and all of a sudden they climb back in the game because – there's also now this thought process. If we lose eight to one or six to four, we're still losing the game. Yeah. So when well, he said overtime victories or just overtime? No, I just said most overtime games in the oh. NHL. I was gonna go to the victory part. I mean, two reasons to me. One, Jordan Stahl wins the face off every time in overtime. Yep. So you have puck possession the whole time. And then the other part is the Canes have improved in the shootout department. Well and, but not only that, the skill. The skill level. Marty, you, you you can put out whatever tandem you want of Natchez, Aho, Svechnikov, Brent Burns. How many different, like the entire defense is scored in overtime, it feels like this year. Yep. So uh, that's that's the, the winning part of it. So, Roger, thanks for the question. Shane, thanks for the original answer. You're welcome. Uh, this one comes into uh, Mr. Brandenburg. Hey, Mike, when a team is traveling, do they have to pay the home team to practice on their ice? What about on days after games, like in Vegas, when the Canes practice at T-Mobile before heading to Arizona? I researched this question because I saw this one coming I hope, I'm glad you did because I have no idea. No, I, I researched this one, and we need to thank Mike Sundheim, PR man extraordinaire. Uh, so I just basically asked him the question. If I was guessing, I would say it's like a reciprocal because it's going to happen when they come here, right? Or if it happens, it's reciprocal. I'm glad that you said that because I did use the word. I figured, I said to him, I go, I figure there's a reciprocal for the arenas. But when you use the practice facilities, is that different? Because right, we have different know, ownership at the practice facility. Well, the practice facilities also rent out the ice. Yes. So Mike Sunheim, no for the arenas, meaning no cost for the arenas. It is reciprocal. You keep the ice available for us. We'll keep the ice available for you. But when you use practice facilities, yes, you have to pay for the ice. There you have it. So there's your answer. Good question, though, too. Do you think any of the Canes will eventually hit the 50 goal or the 100-point mark? This is from Peter Litwin. You know, we could make this. If a, you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it you right say back. Ever? No, I think it's this year. Oh. Do you think any of the Canes will eventually hit the 50 goal or 100 point mark? I think he's, I think, I'm going to, I'm going to say for Peter, he's living in the now. Okay. I think that's ever. 50 goals, I'm going to say no. Because you'd have to have, somebody would have to be at 30 right now. Maybe over 30. Yeah. With the games over that are left. 30. I'm going to uh, say no to 50 goals this year. At some point, Yes. Hundred, the, the team's really balanced. Everybody's in the points. Yeah, everybody's in the, the hundred points. Not this year. Yeah, everybody's like in the the high fifties. The but I think it's we'll see it balanced. Now. Yeah, we I think will we'll see it. Not this year, with where we're sitting now, with only nineteen to go, twenty sure. to go. Sure. Uh, Zachary Martin, thoughts on the instant impact of Shane Gostaspare? I mean, it's pretty evident what he's done for the power play. Uh, he fits in well. 
uh, it, it's to me, it was a really good addition because it addressed what you were looking for without giving up anything that you would look at and say, well, that's an asset we could have used here, there, or somewhere down the line. So uh, the instant the instant analysis is it's a great trade for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. That's the instant at, thought. At this point. moment, after these few sampling games that we've seen, it's been great. Oakley Rockingham. What is Max Pacioretty doing? Is he even around the team or just recovering at home? No, he's around the team. Yep, still in town. Yep, still in town. Seen him in the locker room. Uh, again, I, I never use this word because I think it gets overused for certain injuries. Devastated for him. And, and you know, the, oh, the time he put in to come back and then going through it now. But, um, no, he's around the team. So, uh, this is Sam Kinney. Hey, guys, when Code Kinniemi made the game-winning shootout goal last night, he did a quick beaver tap on the ice, you know, before he shot that. A little Shane Willis throwback for you. Was that just to throw off the goalie? Whatever it was, it worked. Five stars is always best friends for life. Let's go, Canes. Yeah, I would think yes. I think yes. It's more of a little bit of a pump fake that's maybe exaggerated a little bit more. <laughs> Do you get, you know, when you hit the ice, does the goalie think you're going to continue through to shoot? Um, and he stopped. It also may just be a tribute to one of the best uh, treats out there, the beaver tail in Canada. Uh like the lobster tail yeah. in New England. <laughs> That's a very good pastry that you and I have had at Mike's. Sure, sure has, Mike. Uh, make sure you go to the north end and get yourself a lobster tail. And it's not real lobster, it's a pastry. Uh, Lee Taft, who we know. Lee. What would it take to get Shane versus Shane in a shooting competition? Hardest shot, accuracy, don't care. I just want the content. Oh, by the way, Brady Shea is up for golf. Oh! You got to talk to your man into it. No problem. My man was out playing. Uh, I was happy, lucky enough to tee it off a couple weeks ago. My guy was at the course. Yeah. He knows the course. Yeah. We're ready. Yeah, that's fine. Well, Debbie, has Brady chirped him at all? No. Okay. He doesn't have to, but he was asked in a golf match between him and Sebastian Naha who would win. And then Brady, because you know hockey players are very modest. And What did he say? He'd win. I told him he'd win. I'm like, just say the answer. We all know you'd win. He's never seen you play. There's rules in the match. I'm not. Pl- I am driving. Called the match, which I have hasn't been used before. My job is to get the cart. <laughs> you have to play to the hole. You have to hit shots of some kind. That's fine. But I am. You know. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to live in your mind. That's that's my no whole problem. goal. My whole goal. I'm going to be iron faced. I'm like going to bring Sebastian. up. I'm going to bring up the time that our good friend Doctor Scott took us out to that lovely course in Durham, and you, what was it, took a 90 on a hole because you kept putting it, and it kept putting right back down to you like you were at the British Open? I don't remember that. I do, (laughs) vividly. I'll remind you of it. I might have video of it. I think that was the 11th hole. Yes, it was. I was not happy. I was happy. Although our, our friend Dr. Scott is like, is Shane okay? I'm like, oh, he'll be fine. <laughs> he'll be fine once he finds that club he just ch- <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul Lawson, also known as the number 90. Hey, Lee, it's going to happen. Shane and I will shoot together, too. Yeah, that'll be all right. I haven't met him yet, happen. but I'll introduce myself and say, I heard you know how to shoot. He does. But we had great video of the goal that he scored and against just, I'll just say right now, of course he's going to win the accuracy contest. You've seen me shoot. Yes. Are we hitting the glass? In the I'm, alumni, I'm going to win. In the alumni game. Yeah. Just about the, kill the guy. If the targets are on the glass, my money's on Let's Shane go back Willis. to that for a moment because everyone's asking that question. Even when I got to the bench, Chad LaRose was like, hey, hey, 
full experience. You're going to pay to play in this game? We're going to give you the full experience? <laughs> you might get hit by Sean Hill. You might see the puck in your life flash before your eyes when I shoot it at you. <laughs> Welcome to the game. Uh, Paul Lawson, when the Canes are on national TV, do you guys wish you get a night off instead of doing the radio broadcast? Also, has Wilbur shared uh, the package? Yes, Shane has shared the package. Cheers. It was delivered from Cheers. Scotland. Cheers to Paul Lawson. I appreciate you. Salancha, my friend. Although that's it Irish. has been shared. Uh, yes, it has. I enjoy days off. I, I, these guys are on the radio. No, I want to call every game. I don't. I don't care. I, give me every game. Give me more. I was listening to you guys on the radio last night. I was at my son's lacrosse game. Give me more games. No, I, I do not want the night off. I want to. The only. This is weird. The outdoor game, I kind of wish I had the night off to experience that as a yeah, fan. I can see that. But the the fact that I call that game, no. It's, I mean, I don't. I mean, so. ESPN or TNT could put me between the benches if they wanted to. Howie Handorf wants to know when you and Trip are doing radio only, Mike, is there another location you broadcast from at PNC and on the road? Uh, yeah, no, we're in the press box. We just move a booth over. Smaller booth. Smaller booth. Uh, Ross, also known as Ed Tech Kaniac, had uh, 47 uh, pieces here. And uh, I, I told him that we can't do this because he had, like, four parts in, like, four parts to each of the part. So Can we pick one? You want me to pick one? Just give him one. You can't kick him right off the show. All right. I'm part gonna... two. I even see it. Part two. Part three. Part four. Okay, go with part four. And the, no, the part four. And then there's, like, a part five, which is all like it keep it's right here. No, that's the part four. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll give him one part four. You ready? Ready. He was questioning my French. Wow. And he said, what, you take that for like four minutes? I'm like, now we're already offside. <laughs> he grew up in Buffalo, less than four. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got the Smurfs. He's in, not French. I got the Smurfs in French as a kid. Freaks you out. Then you have to learn what they're saying. I got Quebec TV growing up. So I got to watch the Nordique. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. You want one on the fin, you want one on hat tricks, or you want one on uh, how many points are available in March? Those are the like it takes. Hat tricks. Okay. The team has three more hat tricks before the end of the season. Oh. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm not going to take it. I am going to take it. Not because I don't love our guys, but because I think as we move along, games tighten. Scores lessen. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. There will be three more. The The Canes will have 10 total hat tricks as a team okay. before it's over. Uh, one for you. You want a question about a showcase for women's hockey or about uh, what other TV analysts say? Let's go with the showcase. <sighs> oh, yeah. Let's pump up Sarah Antonelli and what she put yes. on here this past weekend because it was amazing. Yep. Well, this is what he wants to know. Please talk about your vision for a pro women's hockey showcase at PNC Arena. What would happen and when? Basically, this is coming off of the U.S.-Canada rivalry series. I would love it. Here's, again, when you walk into my office and Sarah's, I guess I'm more lucky that Sarah shares an office with me. You know, things we talk about, things you throw at the wall and they stick there and you want them to happen, right? I would love to see U.S.-Canada in this building. Is that going to be a phone call we make? Yes. Right? Can we pair it with a... Uh, Division one college game before? Maybe yes. And make it a big time all girls women's celebration of hockey. That'd be I awesome. think this building would be rocking and would love to see it. That'd be so, awesome. Yes. 
There's your plan. You, Shane's tying it in with college hockey as well. Let's make that happen. Uh, you know, Ross Dunn lost all his uh, my question privileges, so we'll do the one that's the both of us here. Please talk. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Did he send in another one? He sent in, he sent in like oh, 35 you were, you were questions. You going to cut him from the show. Now you're going back to him. Uh, you know what? <laughs> then he's done. He's done. <laughs> Give him one. You he just want, Well, he just wanted to know about, and this is for both of us, because like he does the you know four questions for you, 18 yeah. for you on top of the four. Yeah, sure. Then the one for both of us. Uh, Rod last night talked about you know the human element, which is, by the way, Ross, you realize that everybody who plays the game is a human, right? Yes. It's a real person where there are other things that go on in their life. Uh, in your experience in and around players in the game, what are the most significant human factors that impact a team and their play on a given night? Travel. Oh, sleepy. Yeah, travel's a big part of it. Sleep. Um, that was the one going in. And when you looked at it, because let's explain the travel, Mike. You stayed overnight in Arizona, yep. flew back Saturday, yep. no ice. Nope. Sleep, play Sunday. Afternoon. Afternoon against Tampa and a dominant victory. So like, talk about your emotion spiking again. Yep. Monday, no practice. No practice. Fly up to Montreal. Fly to Montreal. Wake up, skate, and you're playing the Canadians. Yep. Just the mental, physical grind of that—that's where it hits you. But when you know, I, I I just wish people understand. Like when Shane Willis, people know that you're a real human being now. But when you played, it wasn't like the only time Shane existed was when there was a face-off, and then when the game was over, Shane ceased to exist. He had things that happen. So you, you want to know what human things? How about allergies? How about cold and flu season? You know, lack of sleep, travel on a plane, going through time zones. That's the for me. That's the killer. The the bouncing back and forth through time zones. Yeah. When you're in like three or three time zones in four or five days, which we've done uh, a few times this year, that's where it really really weighs in on you. Uh, Josh McEachern, uh, I appreciate all the responses to my tweets on here. So thank you first and foremost. My question for both you and Shane, what is your favorite storm surge of all time? Love the podcast. Five stars. Best friends for life. Which, well, I mean, there's been a lot. The, the one with the talked family. about the other night with the kids coming out was a cool touch um, for the guys. One I always did really love was the baseball one. I think it was Warren Fogle. Yep. The bat flip. Yeah. That was one of my favorites, and they're spraying the water around. That that's in my top three. I like the uh, Van Riemsdyk dunk for March Madness. Was also in March solid, Madness. Yeah. So the Trevor Van Riemsdyk dunk was a good one. Uh, the family one was great, and of course the Evander Holyfield knocking out Martin Huck. Those are those are always going to be up there. There's so many good ones. Uh, Will Looper with Ronta coming out last night. Is uh, is it the return of Pyotr Kochetkov? I'm not going to go with the nickname because evidently Pyotr is not a big fan of the nickname. Oh, we're losing the nickname. PK. I like PK. <laughs> um again, we've already we said I mean, we've already said know. enough we things. Didn't see the no, team today. We've already said enough things on this podcast. I don't want to throw that one out there. We'll say it at the pep rally again before the playoffs, you and I. Uh no, we'll see. Uh Betsy Duggins, after games, the team always gets pizza to refuel the players. Do they ever give them other foods? And when out of town at games, does the host team supply? Thanks. No, the host team does not supply food. Ever. The Canes have to buy it. No, hot dogs uh, in the room after Montreal still. Yeah, there was some machine show, but you have to. It's there are like in Philly there will be cheesesteaks mm. in Buffalo. Buffalo, wings. there's wings and pizza. Um, but yeah, certain places have certain things that are um, natural to their environment. But the other so food is served on the plane. Yeah, but no, that but those pizzas and all that are paid for. Yeah, like you get them like Chicago. You get, they have deep dish. Yeah, uh, that comes in. Is that big there? 
Maybe just a little. You almost got you. Yeah. <laughs> you almost bit there. <laughs> just for half a second. <laughs> no, no. We're going to let some other fish take that one. Uh, Betsy, also, does Bill Berniston travel with the team to keep the players on track of workouts? Yes. You, it's like your MasterCard. You never leave home without it. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. And every other locker room. <laughs> every room. <laughs> Don't leave home without it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he is, yeah, he is on every trip. Thank you for that, Betsy. Uh, <laughs> Rose D'Angelo wants to know, can you get Brent Burns jerky recipe? I'll ask. Have you tried it? No. That's why I'll ask. Maybe I'll get a little, maybe get a little sample. Maybe we can get him to sponsor the podcast. We should what goes s- great with Storm Brew? What's the rule on beef jerky? It? How much can he make? I don't know. We'll make this work. However, we have to. All right, let's get this one. Daniel Wagner wants to know. Uh, the TNT broadcast over the weekend fired some shots at the Hurricanes. One that stood out was everything appears to be inflated in Carolina when talking about shots on goal. Who at PNC Arena calculates that stat during the game? There are official scorekeepers that are hired by the National Hockey League. Uh, the Canes have theirs, but they are NHL. They're off-ice officials. They keep track of all the stats. Um, they don't go from building to building. The Canes have theirs, much like Boston has theirs, much like New Jersey has theirs. Um, so that's that. And the, the the people who do the work here are fantastic people. Yeah, and no one's trying to, I mean, again, no. The guys thinking that you're inflating your shot counts. I mean, come on. I know. Eh, whatever. Uh, this one comes into, if you like it, take it. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. I'm going to do my best to explain this, Shane. And if you say, huh, I'm going to be right there with you as I've perused <laughs> over this. I'm going to guarantee that. A new rule for overtime where teams can't leave the offensive half of the ice. If the puck does go bad, I'm going to say back instead back, of bad, yeah. does go back to the defensive end, the rules for icing would apply. Who gives it back up to you? But my question is, so you can't leave the offensive, so it's just like three players in front of your goalie and three players in front of the other goalie? So your goalie has to shoot it to you? I don't, I, I'm, that's why I'm saying, huh? Or is it two and one? So it's I, always, we do a drill like that after practice where it's a quick two-on-one where the forwards can't cross, this, but your D is always back. So it's more of a two-on-one. But if the puck goes back to the defensive end, it's icing. Mm. But, I mean, you have to defend, right, at some point? Oh. I can lie, it sounds horrible. Although I think, <laughs> I think what this is driving at now that I have had time to marinate on this, Zach. Meaning, if you have the puck, we saw it last night. Sebastian Ajo turned around and fired the puck down on Frederick Anderson. Yeah. Meaning, if the offensive oh. team has the puck and turns around and does it, right to keep possession. we have we have deciphered this question. I don't think I don't know. No. What time no. did Zach send in that question? <laughs> Seven hours ago. Uh, now, fantasy hockey questions. Are you ready for this? Um, from Bernsey, who uh, beat us this past week. Tip of the cap, Bernsey. Well done. Well Playoffs done. Playoffs are coming. Well done. Let's hear it. Well done. Uh, with the success of Turbo and Code Kaniemi, will the coaching staff's patience and support of the players be just as rewarding as we see number 13 work his way in the lineup? We've sort of discussed this. We'll find out. I mean, yeah. it's – it's I, again, I think that this is – if if you get anything out of out of yes say Pugliarvi, that's it's house money it's, you're playing with. It's just a bonus. Yep. But uh, he's 
got the talent as Shane has highlighted. And another question, when I saw Svech score the first goal against Tampa, I immediately thought of Ray Whitney. Did either of you have a similar comparison pop into your head, or were you not surprised that Andrei Svechnikov put on another highlight reel goal? I am never surprised by everything he does, but I am constantly amazed by it, if that makes sense. Sure does. Um, tip of the cap to you, Bernsey. And uh, one more, because... It was the the biggest Sunday comeback in the history of the world. Archer for Canes. I, I don't know how we lost this one. What? What do you think the record for the best fantasy recorded comeback on a Sunday is? <laughs> and my only response was not yours. So good, I wanted to read it on the podcast. Not Tip of yours. the cap to you. Oh, well yeah. played, Archer. Uh, so there. Uh, and then weekend at Burnsy's. Why does an ice-cold storm brew taste so much better after a victory in fantasy hockey? In the words of Ron Burgundy. It's science. Yeah. It's true. true. Just does. Victory makes everything true. taste better. Burns has got a strong team. He does. He does. His team is there's by the way, two different Burnsies. Uh Chris Hooks, my question, when you have such a quick turnaround, how do you prep? You you kind of try to stay ahead of the games. Like that's what I do. Like I'm usually like this weekend I'll have all of my Vegas prep work done on Friday and then Saturday I'll I'll work in all of my New Jersey prep. And plus, you know, with today's technology, I can watch whatever I want to on my computer or my iPad or wherever I'm at. So when we're up in Jersey, I'll just finish everything uh, before the game. But, you you know, you're constantly paying attention to everything that are out there. Thank you, Chris. And uh, finally, Mike Toper, because I said if you have any questions or comments, how do you make a table? I responded, metal or wood? You said wood, the sturdy kind. A lathe, yeah. Back to wood shop days. You need table saw. Yeah, you need some carpentry skills. Table saw, a hammer. I would imagine. Are you going to go nails, or are you going to go like hot glue and joints? Might go screws. Screws would probably be the better way to go. Tighten it up. You an oak man? Yeah. Well, if I'm building it, yeah. If I'm the guy trying to carry in the house, I'm pissed. (laughs) (laughs) You've helped a friend move as well, have you not? (laughs) My dining room table will never leave our house. My friend in. Forever. My friend had, remember entertainment centers back in yes. the day? Yeah. Remember I, I hide beds Yes. Why? Why were those Why were those a bed. thing? Yeah. Worst ever. No, this, this entertainment center weighed as much as the Empire State Building. I When he got rid of it, I wanted to take an axe to it so yeah. I could do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. The, the hideaway beds, too. Those are terrible. 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 So not much fun, bad not furniture. Not good to sleep on. Oh. But the entertainment center. Bush. Very happy. <laughs> Thank you. You're right. Shane, you get the last word on this. Uh, for a almost two-hour podcast. Wow. Yeah. Apologies? Well, we, no, we had, we had a weekend <laughs> off. We had, or we yeah, had we a week off. we took a week off, off so yeah. we're, wi- we're windy today. Um, <laughs> it was windy yesterday. I'm just going to say, let's buckle up and get ready for the run. Thank you.